Hello, and welcome to the Interesting World of Sports podcast on the Hopewell Valley Student Publications Network, where students come together to publish content to share with the world. The opinions expressed in this episode are ours. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to the Interesting World of Sports podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Yasher. And I'm Connor Bacha. And today, we will be discussing three college football rivalries. Michigan-Ohio State, Alabama-Auburn, and Army-Navy. Let's get into it. The first game we're going to talk about is Michigan-Ohio State. This is one, if not the biggest rivalry in college football, just because of how old it is. This game has been played 117 times in total, with Michigan winning 59 times and Ohio State winning 51 times and six ties. The biggest score differential ever came in 1902 when Michigan beat Ohio State by a whopping 86 points and shut them out. The Buckeyes have lost twice since 2001, so they've been dominating this rivalry as of recently. In 2000, the game was ranked by ESPN as the greatest North American sports rivalry ever. The first meet between these two teams happened in 1897, and the rivalry has been played annually and interrupted from 1918 until 2020, when it was not held due to the coronavirus pandemic. When the University of Michigan and Ohio State met for the first time in 1897, the Toledo War was within the memory of some still living, and the short-lived border war may have fueled the rivalry between the two opposing teams. The inaugural game, held at Ann Arbor, resulted in a lopsided victory for Michigan, with the Wolverines posting a 34-0 victory over Ohio State. The teams did not meet in 1898 or 1899, but played again in 1900. Since 1918, the game site has been alternated between Columbus, Ohio and Ann Arbor, Michigan. Michigan hosts its odd years and Ohio State's even years. The Toledo War, which some think is what started this rivalry, was um, a short-lived border dispute between Ohio and Michigan during 1835 to 1836, and it was basically just a dispute between the U.S. states of Ohio and the adjoining territory of Michigan because Michigan wasn't a state yet. Poor geographical understanding of the Great Lakes helped produce conflicting state and federal legislation between 1787 and 1805, and varying interpretations of the laws led to the governments of Ohio and Michigan to both claim jurisdiction over the 468-square-mile region along the border, now known as the Toledo Strip. The situation came to a head when Michigan petitioned for statehood in 1835 and sought to include the disputed territory within its boundaries. Both sides passed legislation attempting to force the other side's capitulation, while Ohio's governor, Robert Lucas, and Michigan's 24-year-old boy governor, Stevens T. Mason, helped institute criminal penalties for citizens submitting to each other's authority. Both states deployed militia on opposite sides of the Maumee River near Toledo, but besides mutual taunting, there was little interaction between the two forces. The single military confrontation of the war ended with a report of shots being fired into the air, incurring no casualties. Ohio State became a member of the Big Ten Conference in 1912. Then, in 1917, Michigan rejoined the conference after a 10-year absence. In 1918, the teams played their first conference matchup, with Michigan prevailing 14-0 and lodging its 11th shutout over the Buckeyes. The rivalry has been scheduled annually since then. Then in 1919, the Buckeyes, led by legendary halfback Chick Harley, won their first game in the series, beating the Wolverines 13-3, so it was a really low-scoring game. And the Buckeyes won the following two contests as well, 
bringing the series record to 13-3-2. The Buckeyes had some catching up to do. One of the more famous games in the rivalry is the 1950 contest known as the Snowball. Eighth-ranked Ohio State, coached by Wes Fessler, was scheduled to host a game on November 25th in Columbus amidst one of the worst blizzards on Ohio record. The Buckeyes, who led the Big Ten, were granted the option to cancel the game against Michigan, who would have, by default, given the Buckeyes the Big Ten title outright. Ohio State refused, and the game was set to be played. Amid howling snow and wind, in a famous example of a field position game, the teams exchanged 45 punts, often on first down, in hopes that the other team would fumble the ball near or into their own end zone. Ohio State's Vic Janowicz, who would claim the Heisman Trophy that year, punted 21 times for 685 yards and also kicked a field goal in the first quarter for the Buckeyes' only points. Michigan capitalized on two blocked punts, booting one out of the back of the end zone for a safety and recovering another one in the end zone for a touchdown just before halftime. Despite failing to gain a single first down or complete a single forward pass, Michigan gained a 9-3 victory, securing the Big Ten title and a Rose Bowl. Heavy criticism of Fessler's play calling led to his resignation and the hiring of Woody Hayes as his successor. That's extremely impressive that they were even able to kick a field goal in those weather conditions. They were literally shoveling snow off the field. And they won without even getting a first down. It was, that game was a complete, just terrible, I mean, can you imagine, it's hard to do anything in the snow, can you imagine trying to run a football in the snow? I mean, this was like a recent game that was played between the Buffalo Bills and New England Patriots a week or two ago, and Mac Jones of the Patriots completed two passes the entire game. It obviously wasn't as severe as this game you just talked about in 1950. The 2017 game held in Ann Arbor, drew a crowd of more than 112,000 people and featured the ninth-ranked Buckeyes against the unranked Wolverines. Michigan surprisingly led 14-0 at the end of the first quarter, but Ohio State was able to even it out at 14-14 before halftime. Michigan's offense was limited to six points in the second half, and Ohio scored 17, winning the game 13-20. The victory was the Buckeyes' sixth win in six years under head coach Urban Meyer, who was recently fired by the Jaguars. And J.T. Barrett, which was Ohio State's starting quarterback, recorded four wins in four years as a starting quarterback, the first Ohio State QB to do so. Until this game, Ohio State had never come back and won against Michigan, once down 14 points or more. During the mid-2000s, ESPN aired several commercials describing certain situations that would be normal if it wasn't for sports. One commercial featured a man in an Ohio State shirt making out with a woman wearing a Michigan shirt. An ESPNU commercial aired portrayed a couple on a blind date that appears to be successful until it becomes clear that she is from Michigan and he is a fan of Ohio State. This just shows that the media has really made this game what it is and they've shown the rivalry and the intense emotions that come from this game. Now let's talk about another big rivalry, Alabama-Auburn. Alabama vs. Auburn, which is known as the Iron Bowl, first happened on February 22, 1893, with Auburn securing a 32-22 victory over Bama. As a rivalry which started in 1893, played for many years at Legion Field in Birmingham, Alabama, the name Iron Bowl comes from Birmingham's historic role in the steel industry. They have played a total of 86 times as of December of 2021, and Bama, unsurprisingly, leads the series with 48 wins and 37 losses, 
along with one 6-6 tie that came in 1907. The longest win streak is owned by Alabama at nine games. Not surprisingly, Bama also has a current win streak of two games. The rivalry long has been one of the most heated college rivalries in the country. It is all the more heated because the two schools have been among the nation's elite teams for most of the time since the 1950s. Together, they account for 36 SEC titles, 28 by Alabama and 8 by Auburn. Let's discuss one, if not the craziest game in college football history. The number one ranked Alabama and number four ranked Auburn were facing off on November 30, 2013. With 32 seconds remaining, the Tigers scored on a 39-yard touchdown pass from Marshall to Sammy Coates. On the following possession, with seven seconds left in the game, Alabama ran to Auburn's 38-yard line as T.J. Yeldon was knocked out of bounds by Chris Davis while the game clock expired. Bama coach Nick Saban argued that Yeldon had stepped out of bounds with one second left in regulation. Saban's argument was validated by the instant replay officials who put one second back on the clock. Saban is such a smart coach to point that out. I mean, it takes the game, a, would, the game would have been over. It takes a certain type of person to argue about that. And he had a plan. He knew exactly what he was doing when he did that. So rather than take a knee and go into overtime, Alabama went for the win. I mean, most people would do this. But they were to attempt a 57-yard field goal, which is tough for NFL kickers. So now imagine a college football kicker doing that in front of this big of a crowd. Just before the kick, Auburn took a timeout. Auburn's defensive coordinator doubted Bama's would make the long field goal and suggested that a defensive back stand in the end zone with the potential to return a missed field goal. Auburn put Davis, a kick returner, in the back of the end zone. Alabama lined up once again to attempt the kick. The kick was up, it was on target, and it came up short. Davis fielded the ball nine yards deep in the end zone and ran all the way down the left sideline with Alabama's field goal unit being made of mostly offensive linemen who are just good for brute strength and not speed, Davis ran all the way down the sideline with one man to beat. He got a block, cut to the middle, and he was gone to the end zone to win the game 34-28 to for Auburn. It was unofficially the longest missed field goal return in NCAA history, tying an 109-yard return earlier in the 2013 season by a little-known name Odell Beckham of LSU. However, he was only credited with 100 yards. Unlike the NFL, the NCAA does not count yardage inside the end zone for kick returns. The crowd reaction registered on seismographs across the state of Alabama. The place erupted. I mean, could you imagine that? You're going up against your biggest rivalry, and you're about to... There's a chance that you're going to lose on this kick. And not only do they miss the kick, you return it and score a 109-yard touchdown. I mean, that's impressive in any level of football. Pop Warner to the NFL. So the fact that one guy could do all that is insane. And if you listeners out there want to go look up this play on YouTube, before you do so, just turn your headphone volume down a little bit. I mean, it's a, it's electric in there. And the announcer does a great job of really projecting this moment uh, with some pretty pretty notable quotes that he says. So it's a, if you have the time, I would look it up. Now, let's talk about the most patriotic game in college football history, Army-Navy. The Army-Navy game is an American college football rivalry game between the Army Black Knights of the United States Military Academy at West Point, New York, and the Navy Midshipmen of the United States Naval Academy at Annapolis, Maryland. The Black Knights, or cadets, and midshipmen each represent their services' oldest officer commissioning sources. 
As such, the game has come to embody the spirit of the inter-service rivalry of the United States Armed Forces. The game marks the end of the college football regular season and the third and final game of the season's Commander in Chiefs Trophy Series, which also includes the Air Force Falcons of the United States Air Force Academy near Colorado Springs, Colorado. The Army-Navy game is one of the most traditional and enduring rivalries in all of college football. It has been frequently attended by sitting U.S. presidents, and the game has been nationally televised every single year since 1945 on either ABC, CBS, or NBC. CBS has televised the game since 1996 and has the rights to the broadcast through 2028. Instant Replay made its American debut in the 1963 Army-Navy game. Since 2009, the game has been held on the second Saturday of December and following FBS Conference Championship weekend. The game has been held in multiple locations, but outside of the 1926 game in Chicago and 1983 game in Pasadena, California, it has been played in the Northeast Megapolis, most frequently in Philadelphia, followed by New York area in the Baltimore, Washington area. Through the 2021 meeting, Navy leads the series 62-53, to 53, and there have been seven ties along the way. Army and Navy first met on the field on November 29, 1890, and have met annually since 1930. For much of the first two-thirds of the 20th century, both Army and Navy were often national powers, and the game occasionally had national championship implications. However, since 1963, only the 1996, 2010, 2016, and 2017 games have seen both teams enter with winning records, so these teams haven't been that good as of recently. Nonetheless, the game is considered a college football institution. Since 1901, there have been 10 sitting presidents of the United States to attend the Army-Navy game. The first was Theodore Roosevelt, who attended the game in 1901 and in 1905. Harry S. Truman attended all but one edition during his eight years in office. That was from 1945 to 1952. The only game he missed was in 1951 due to vacation. George W. Bush was a spectator in 2001, 2004, and 2008. John F. Kennedy and Donald Trump each showed up twice. Kennedy in 1961 and 1962, Trump in 2018 and 2020. Trump also attended a game as a president-elect in 2016. Woodrow Wilson attended in 1913, Calvin Coolidge in 1924, Gerald Ford in 1974, Bill Clinton in 1996, and Barack Obama in 2011. Each of these presidents only attended once. The phrases beat Navy and beat Army are ingrained in their respective institutions and have become a symbol of competitiveness, not just in the Army-Navy game, but in the service of the country. The phrases are often used at the close of letters by graduates on both academies. A long-standing tradition at the Army-Navy football game is to conduct a formal prisoner exchange. The prisoners are the cadets and midshipmen currently spending the semester studying at the Sister Academy. Navy midshipman and later Admiral Joseph Mason Reeves wore what is widely regarded as the first football helmet in the 1893 Army-Navy game, so he commissioned an Annapolis shoemaker to make him a helmet out of leather. The most recent game led to a 17-13 win for Navy at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. So this game has probably the most history out of any game that's played in college football. And these teams aren't at the top of their game anymore, but it's still a super important game to watch and attend. However, this is not the oldest game in college football. And while we don't have a whole subcategory for this, I think it's important that we mention the oldest rivalry in college football. And that would be Lehigh versus Lafayette. 
Once again, I'm Connor Bacha. And I'm Dylan Yasher. And we thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great rest of your day.